This episode of the Hope Podcast is brought to us by the Spotlight Project. Uh, the Spotlight Project is a fantastic organization run by fantastic people with the mission of raising employment for individuals with intellectual or developmental disabilities. They create and sell beautiful jewelry, and each individual they employ uh, has an intellectual or developmental disability and a unique story to tell. You can visit them at the Spotlight Project co.com again the spotlight project code.com use the coupon code hope h-o-p-e again use the coupon code hope for 15 percent off your order a quick disclaimer that this is an authentic conversation um, about anxiety depression and uh, attempted suicide uh, and if you're in need of any help at all uh, please call the national suicide prevention lifeline 1-800-273- 8255 again 1-800-273-8255 uh your life matters i promise you that and with that let's turn it over to steve welcome everyone to this episode of the hope podcast uh blessed to be joined by one of my oldest friends today uh steve tita um been friends with him since uh before kindergarten uh our parents were, were friends joined the same beach club the same year and um, and we grew up together, went through, um, went through St. Agnes uh, together, uh, elementary school, um, and then uh, the first few years of high school before uh, Steve transferred into the local public school and uh, played sports together, played soccer our whole lives and, and have remained friends. And Steve has quite the story to tell and uh, quite the philosophy on, on life and, and mental health. So really, really uh, grateful and appreciative that um, he came in to the studio today to, to share his story and, and share some hope with all of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm happy to be here, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Again, it's our pleasure and I uh, really appreciate it. Um, so I guess the best place to start is, is at the beginning. Yeah. So if you kind of want to just talk about um, about childhood, maybe uh, family life then, mm-hmm. growing up, friend situations and any stories around that. All right. Yeah, so I mean, my childhood was amazing honestly anything a kid could ask for um super privileged grew up in a nice town um always had awesome friends good family and then i would say around like late fifth sixth grade i started to feel like like looking back i know now it's anxiety but at the time i was like why do i feel so sick to my stomach like i'm so nervous to go to like do things i love like sports so i'd have a lacrosse practice or a basketball practice and i was just like I didn't want to go. I felt so sick to my stomach, and I didn't know why. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't like I had pressure from my family or friends or anyone around me. I think I, I always performed at a relatively high level at that age, and I wanted to like maintain that, and I felt like I wasn't. So I kind of just, kind of just gave me this uncomfortable feeling and made me resent playing the sports. Right. So, at that time, I was kind of just. That was the first dose of my like realizing I had anxiety and my mom is in this field. So she obviously knew and she wasn't going to tell an 11 year old, Oh, you're having panic attacks. Cause mm-hmm. you're like, I'm not even going to know what that is. Right. Um, so that's when I started to feel like, okay, maybe I need to like slow down and take a step back and, um, like think about what's going on. So I went to therapy, I think I was 13. So it's 12, 13, so middle school age, I started going to therapy, right? Um, was that um, was that your decision or, or your... No, <laughs> it, was, uh, it was mostly... My mom is a, uh, has her own private practice, so she yeah. obviously sees her kid 
having all these uh, like issues and wants him to feel better, of course, mm-hmm. right? So she recommends I go see someone. I I was open to it, I guess, um, until I got there and I was like, I I don't. I wasn't in touch with my emotions, all right? I'm a 12-year-old boy. Like, I don't know anything. Um, but, yeah, it was definitely my my mom, my family, like, pushing that. When, uh, after my parents got divorced, obviously, I went through a period of very, a very uh, you know, petulant kid and um, right. making a lot of mistakes and um, all very angry. And so my um, parents, specifically my mom, definitely, like, pressured me to go to therapy. And, um, you know, I was at that time where anything my mom said, I would say the opposite. Right. And... and you know, go yeah. heavy at it. And so it, it wasn't, um, you know, I eventually did go to a session and I like, refused to talk to the guy. And, yeah. and eventually, you know, he said, um, which I remember so clearly, he was like, you know, one day you'll you'll be back here and and you'll be, you'll want to talk. And, right. uh, you know, I hope that day comes sooner rather than later. And yeah. he was right. Um, so, you know, if you want to talk a little bit about your experience, your first experience at therapy and, and um, mm-hmm. you know, how it made you feel and, and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah, so similar to you, I think the first, like my first um, interaction with the therapist, I think it was actually a psychiatrist, but either way, mm-hmm. um, I was super shut off to it because going into it, I was like, all right, they're going to go. Maybe it'll help me, like my stomach feel better because that's how my anxiety was manifesting as physical symptoms mm-hmm. uh, at that age. But I just would sit there for 40 minutes not saying a word, not even because I was like being like a rebellious teenager, which I did end up being, but... Um, I just didn't know, I didn't know what to say anyway. So he would ask me all these questions and I was like, dude, like, I just don't want to go to soccer practice. Like, I didn't know how to express how I was actually feeling, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so he started me on medication, whatever. I And then after like a couple weeks, I was like, I still feel the same way. So I just wasn't taking it. And I kept going back and I just was just lying to the, to the psychiatrist saying like, yeah, I'm taking it. I, just, I don't really feel any better, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... I stopped seeing a psychiatrist pretty after probably I would say like two or three months and I was just seeing like a therapist to go talk to um, and it took me about I would say a month or two to really like give it a fair shot um, and not just sit there like a pouty preteen teenager mm-hmm. so once I would like kind of let my guard down I was able to talk and uh, even if it was just about like how my week has been like it didn't it wasn't I wasn't diving into like how depressed I was feeling because I didn't know how to talk about that yet or I was so embarrassed that I felt that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially since I had a good childhood. I had, from the outside, I had a great life, right? So it didn't even make sense to me at that age. Like, why do I feel so sad when I have most things a 12-year-old, 13, 14-year-old kid would, would dream of, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so once I kind of let my guard down a bit, I got close with this one therapist, um, she was amazing, and she was probably the first. She was the first person that made me realize that, like, okay, if I ever do come out the other side from this depression and anxiety, I want to be like her, right? Like, I want to help people the way she helped me. Um, and it wasn't major things with her because it was more like, right, it was my first time. I didn't know anything. It, she wasn't using any crazy techniques. She was more so just like acting as if a second mom towards me because I, at that age, I. I hate my parents, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to listen to you. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, she was a good person to bounce off that, like, rebellious teen angst. Like, I hate the world. Everyone's out to get me. It's like, no, you're, no one is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so she was awesome for that time in my life. Like, I don't know if I'd want to see her when I'm 25, but when I'm 14, she was perfect. 
Um, so that opened my eyes to like down the line, like this is something I want to be doing and just for myself, like I need to be a part of because it, it did help even if I didn't see it at the time. Like looking back, it, it truly did help me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it took a long time to let her in or let anyone in. Um, so yeah, I don't, it's hard that age, I think, to go to therapy, especially when it wasn't my choice necessarily. Yeah. Um, From the outside looking in, uh, it was definitely like my first time experiencing uh, mental health with someone you know close to me. Right. I really didn't understand it. Um, you know, and you said before, kid, kids that I do, kids are dumb. You know, twelve or thirteen, you just learn to talk, are confused, yeah. you know, and 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 you're just trying <laughs> to figure out life. And um, you know, Steve, Steve's a great athlete, and and um, always had you know a pretty girlfriend, and and just for me, it was like a jealous of, of that type of it so i never understood right. like he's struggling i'm like you know why yeah. um and um and if you, if you want to talk a little bit more about like really like yeah. the, the behind you know steve's also in and pretty much just beginning but in uh school to become a therapist right from uh, one year left one year left to become yeah. a therapist now so if you yeah. want to talk a little bit about yeah. um kind of that perception i think a lot of people feel that like my life should be good but i don't feel great right so like i think like now, of course, I see it because you see celebrities, professional athletes, whoever. Like, mental health doesn't discriminate. Like, you could be rich and famous, have everything, and you could still feel that way, right? So, mm-hmm. at that age, 13, 14, I did, I had an awesome life. I, like you said, I was good at sports, had pretty girls, whatever. Um, so, like, everything externally should have made me happy. But still, inside, I was like, I felt empty. Nothing, none of that stuff mattered, right? But, to even like my family and to friends, like like you said, it's hard to imagine a kid that has seemingly everything be so depressed and anxious. Um, and I think that's something that, like, it's getting better now in 2020, but so this was like 2010, mm-hmm. 10 years ago, that this whole mental health discussion, it wasn't, it wasn't the same. Mm-hmm. So like, it was a lot more di- more challenging to even tell someone because I felt like if I was going to tell especially an adult like hey I, I'm feeling a bit suicidal feeling depressed whatever they're gonna be like why and I'm gonna have I have no explanation I wasn't like there was nothing terrible going on in my life at that time um, from the outside to make me really feel that way but obviously it was just my brain chemistry was just all mixed up my serotonin levels were just super low mm-hmm. so I just felt that way um, and I think that's something that kids adults doesn't really matter what age you are doesn't matter how good you your life is or how amazing it might seem you could still feel all those that same way and i think it's definitely a hard thing to bring up to people when not that it's easier when things like when people know you have a tough life but when it's seemingly that you have a great life it's really hard for people to grasp like the understanding of why or how you could feel that way right so I think that made it, it made it super difficult for me to even believe that I felt that way. Cause I was like, do I actually feel this way? Like, it's just a bad day. And I'm like, that's a lot of bad days. Like it's more than just a bad day, you know? Um, and eventually I talked about it with my, I eventually just broke down like to my mom. I was like, I, I don't know what the fuck's going on. Like, I'm so sad mm-hmm. and like, everything is great. So please help. Um, so that was like my first cry for help. Cause I, I was sick of feeling sick when, when was uh, when was that that would have been <clears throat> so like freshman year of high school so mm-hmm. 15 um that was when i started to get like a little more like scary scarier thoughts like more towards like being suicidal and so, uh 
things like that. Sure. So, so Stephen, uh, you know, a couple of us from town, uh, especially from St. Agnes, went to the private school in Long Island, Chaminade High School, which is a very uh, elite school, a lot of very, very talented uh, athletes and um, and very smart kids. And um, um, if you want to talk a little bit more about, you know, that that time, decision to go to Chaminade versus, versus Southside and then and just expand more on, on yeah. um, when those feelings start hitting you. So I remember the summer going into freshman year of high school, so that right after eighth grade, pretty much that entire summer, I was planning to kill myself before the first day of Shamrad. I don't know. I think I was just, this was more like, I wasn't actually suicidal. I was just, I had so much anxiety and fear of starting something new. Cause like at this point I was comfortable at Sinagnus. I knew everybody, like my anxiety was there, but it, it was controlled because I was in a, like an environment of comfort. So a new Shamrad, like being a new kid, um, you know, like a big, a small fish in a big pond type thing. And I was just like, I was terrified. So that whole summer was when I was really getting those first, like, suicidal ideations in a way. And then starting at Shamnad, the first, like, trimester, I would say, was awesome. Because we played soccer, like, and we became friends with all those guys. And that was a ton of fun, I thought. Because mm-hmm. um, originally, I didn't, I didn't want to go to Shamnad. It was more like my parents were like, you're going to go if you don't like it. We'll see what happens. Right. And I was like, fine, because I knew they were so good at sports. So I was in a way, and all of our St. Agnes friends were going. So right. it was still better um, than going to Southside at the time. Right. But so after the first trimester, I would say, um, it's one soc- pretty much when soccer was over. I was like, that winter period, um, that's usually when I get more depressed anyway, like, not, like tons of other people. Right. Um, I kind of was just like, I hate this place. I, I hated how strict it was at being 15. Like, now I work there. It's really not that strict. But, like, being a 15-year-old right. kid, I was like, what do you mean I have to come in here and do all this stuff? <laughs> right. I was like, all right. Um, <clears throat> but that was when I, I finally, I was really, like, in a bad place. Um, because there was no sport at the time. I wasn't playing, like, basketball for them or anything. So the winter was kind of, like, a, just a dull period for me. Um, and I was just getting home. It was dark. And my parents are both working. Not that it's anything to do with like, being their fault, but like I was just alone, sure. and that kind of just started getting into my head. Um, and then, following the winter, that's when my grades started to slip because I was so depressed. I couldn't. I had zero motivation to do any work. Um, like the cross season started, so that was fun, but it wasn't the same, right? So I was, I was so depressed at that point that all the sports and friends, nothing made me feel good, really. Like. I was kind of just going through the motions and doing like minimum of everything, mm-hmm. uh, barely passing, barely, you know, kind of just scraping by. Um, and at, at Shamna, like you said, it's such a like a prestigious school. Um, I felt like it was super hard to open up to anyone at the school, and like I didn't want to open up really to my parents at the time because I was a kid, and it's like just everything is just uncomfortable mm-hmm. at that age. Um, so I just felt very, I was very alone in my head, um, which is the worst place to be for mm-hmm. myself, at least. Um, and I think once the following, the sophomore year, right before I left, that was when I was like, all right, this is getting like really scary. Because I wasn't on medication. I wasn't going to therapy at that point, And I was just like going downhill fast. So my idea, my fantastic idea was let's start like smoking weed and drinking and like, when I do those things, I feel awesome. So let's just keep doing that all the time. Um, bad idea. 
uh, just made me way more depressed, obviously. Um, and then I was kind of purposely also not intentionally failing out of Chaminade so I could go to public school. Um, so that was like the, the fall of sophomore year. And once that was about to happen, once the school like reached out to my parents, like he's going to like, he has to leave, like he's going to fail out. Um, he's not doing any work. Mm-hmm. And then that's when the transition happened going to Southside. I was like, this is going to be, my life's going to change, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to be so happy. I can't wait. And that uh, like level of anticipation or excitement to go to that school was ultimately the pitfall of my life at like for the next few years like that. What I thought was going to be the best turning point in my life ended up being potentially the worst, not because it's the school's fault, but me at the time in combination with a transition period was a cocktail for disaster. Like it couldn't have, couldn't have been worse. Uh, but yeah, I can talk about once that happened, if you want. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. No, I just, I just, my, my perspective, I remember, um, you know, from the outside looking in and people out there, you think you're, you know, you're, you're friends, you're at that age and you think your friends might be struggling with things similar. Um, it's difficult to know how to approach people. Cause I remember mm-hmm. I knew, I definitely knew at the time, this was like fall of sophomore year during our soccer season. I definitely knew at this point that, you know, you, you had, um, your issues and, right. um, it definitely wasn't something you were super open with, um, you know, with, with I think most people, but definitely wasn't with me. But I remember selfishly thinking like, um, you know, I hope you know stay finish out the soccer season yeah. or I want you to stay because you were yeah. so good at soccer and we're really good asset to our team and um you know you know you can't go back in time but I would you know if I could I regret not being more of like a friend and being like hey man how are you what's yeah. going on with you like like and stuff like that um and it's so important to ask people how they're doing and like right. genuinely care um about them as opposed to the selfish reasons you want mm-hmm. um them around yeah um but uh, yeah, if you definitely want to talk about the transition to Southside yeah. period. And like just touching on what you said, like I wasn't open at the time. So I think even if like, even if you were like asking, I don't know if I would have said anything. Cause it was kind of just like, I didn't know what, what am I supposed to say? Right. You know, it was just a weird age. Um, and that was when the time we like, you wanted to be cool. So we were partying or like. Smoking weed and drinking, whatever you want to call it. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah, drinking right. natty lights. <laughs> yeah. At the bridge. Yeah, exactly. It's all six of us. Yeah. So once <laughs> once I transferred to Southside, because I was kind of like, I had so much anxiety. Just the, a transition for me in general, like even now, like when I'm doing great, like if I have a new environment, a new whatever, like I'm going to have natural anxiety, right? So this right. was just like exponentially more anxiety than it would be for me normally. Um, new school. I obviously had friends at the school. Like it's our town, so like I knew a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But it's it's different when you are like coming in the middle of soccer season for them, and I'm who's this new sophomore is coming in, and they're like, who, who the fuck does this kid think he is? Like, and my whole thinking and my parents' thinking was like, he'll, he'll transfer in. Like he won't play soccer. It'll just be like a nice, relaxing, like easy transition. Um, <clears throat> but the day that I was like going to tour the school with my parents, like the soccer coach at the time comes out of his classroom, like stops his teaching his math class, stops the te- uh, teaching to come talk to me. And like pretty much is like, you're gonna be on the like varsity. And I was like, great, this, this is a this is a fucking disaster. <laughs> Part of me is like excited because I'm still a kid and I love soccer. So like this, I'm like, this is awesome. Like this could be a way for me to like, maybe I'll start feeling better. Um, 
so that happens. My mom's like, oh, fuck, here we go. Like, she, know, she knows it's happening. Um, it's like from the outside being a professional in the field. So then that once he says that and I jump onto the soccer team, it quickly went down for me. Because uh, I was already, like, smoking and drinking, whatever. But now that I'm at public school and not Chaminade, I can smoke during the week. Like, I can – you have to leave school for 40, 60 minutes, whatever – Whatever it is for your free period, obviously, Sean, you have to eat at school. Like, that's you don't leave until the end of the day. Right. Um, so I could smoke weed, come back, go to class, high off my ass. Like, I'm obviously not learning, but that's beside the point. Mm-hmm. Um, it was more so that now I had so much more freedom, I guess, to kind of dive into those bad, those bad habits. Uh, and I think, not that it was, like, the people I was hanging out with. It was just the way that public school worked. Like, you could get away with doing more stuff like that than at Chaminade. Right. Um, so I was hanging out with, like, older kids, whatever, and just playing soccer. And then um, I think I started to, like, play a lot, and that really pissed people off. Like, <clears throat> parents of some of the seniors that had, like, my kid's been here for four years, whatever. So, like, I I was playing, like, the second game I was on the team, they were like, all right, she's going to go in, whatever. And it's not like I was doing anything crazy. I wasn't, like, scoring a bunch of goals. But obviously I was good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew that. But that made me feel like such shit because I felt like these kids don't even really know me. And they're not going to like me already because I'm, like, taking a chunk of their playing time, whatever it is. Right. So I kind of just, like, I had a back injury, right? So I, I, I uh, separated myself from that whole drama because I was like, you know what? It's not fucking worth it. I'll play next year. Um so that was kind of my way of dealing with this, the whole, the anxiety of the soccer. Yeah. Um, but as I stopped playing, I was able to, like, I was skipping practices to go smoke and just, like, it kind of just went, it escalated very quickly for me. Yeah. With, uh, mostly at that time, just smoking and drinking. But as I, we go further into the story, it was gets, very quickly, it turns more than that. Yeah, uh, just, just to touch on one thing, like, it's just so powerful, like, um, that, you know, that how much humans want to fit in with a group and how powerful like social connections are that to the point where you know you're a great soccer player I'm an asset to that team like yeah. it would have been helpful to have you on the field and, and in your own head a thought a strong thought that you had was I'd rather you know not play I'd rather kind of emphasize this injury yeah. so I fit in with the people more and don't piss them off and I and just just kind of fit in with the group more yeah. and um, even though that definitely wasn't in the best interest of the team yeah. <laughs> it definitely was not in the best interest of you personally I mean it's, it's, it's I mean yeah um, but there's a the pressure you felt from other people to do something that wasn't in your best interest so you could fit in I think that's relatable for so many people definitely out there but if you want to touch on um, kind of going forward in high school and when things started really um, really yeah escalating. yeah so that once I stopped really playing because I think there was probably about I don't know a quarter or half of the season left when I kind of was like, I'm really not playing anymore. Mm-hmm. I was just, I was going to practice to watch, whatever. Excuse me. Um, but I wasn't playing, obviously. Mm-hmm. So that year they actually won county. So like that was cool. But like I wasn't, it didn't, I, I didn't win county. I didn't feel like I was a part of it because I came late. I stopped playing. It was more like I'm just there. Um, but once that the soccer season ended, I have, I don't know, three, four months until lacrosse season would start at the time so i had a bunch of free time after school and that's when it was like seven days a week 
smoking weed, tons of weed every day. And then I don't know if it was would have been right around like Thanksgiving that sophomore year, someone uh like had Oxycontin at a party or like we were just smoking and someone's like, Well, let's try this with it or whatever. So I did that and I was like, Wow, this is fucking amazing. Like I've never felt so little pain before. Like I felt amazing. Um for 20 minutes and then um that was when it kind of got scary for me because i was like at my my dad had a bunch of knee surgeries from years ago um and like there was a bunch of pills in the house still even though they were like old and expired but i was just eating those like they were tic tacs in class um and buying them from a kid at school all the time i'd just be like in third period eating like three oxys and then falling asleep pretty much all of class um, and that went on for probably not that long, but like three months or so. I was, that's kind of my life. I was just smoke weed after school, smoke weed during school, take a few pills during school. And that was just like, just a zombie through, through that, uh, period. But the weekend before Christmas, it was like, I don't know, December 15, 16, something like that. Um, was the first time that I was like, I can't do this anymore. So I took all my dad's pills and I took all of them. Um, it was like, I don't know, 15, 20 Oxycontins, which if they were, if they hadn't been like five years expired, there was no shot. You like wake up from that. Mm-hmm. Um, so luckily, thank God, um, they were expired. So they didn't, if anyone doesn't know when they're expired, like they're not as potent. So they were pretty much just made me incredibly sick. I've never been so sick in my life. I threw up for about three days. Um, just straight like all the pills obviously um but that was my first like serious attempt to end my life and probably the most serious honestly ever um and that little stint i didn't tell like no my parents just thought i was like super sick Mm -hmm. like i got some bad stomach bug or something but then i told my sister because i i just at that point i just needed to tell somebody like look i'm struggling here like and Obviously, my parents knew, but they didn't know to what extent. Cause you, like I was, I got good at putting on a face that I was like, yeah, I'm happy. Um, so I told my sister, thank God, because then she told she like, my older sister's not gonna not tell my mom. Like, oh by the way, your son tried to kill himself. Like that's kind of big deal. Right. Um, but in my mind, I was like, she's not gonna tell anyone. Like I'll be fine. So she tells my parents, and then they send me to like a to just like a psych ward and. Uh, Zucker Hillside Hospital or whatever. They had like a adolescent. It's hard for being that age because most places won't take kids. Mm-hmm. So they had, a, if you were under 18, some like 12 to 18. So I went there. That was like my first time going going away, uh, even though it was like five days. But I went there for like a week or so just to stabilize me, get me on meds. Um, and that was probably the biggest mistake that I would... I would argue that my parents would say it was the biggest mistake they made. Because at the time, now it's like a nice place. Like, it's beautiful. But when I went, it was like the shit you'd see in a movie. Like, it was run the fuck down. Um, it was just a scary place for essentially a child. Like, I'm 15. So, like, I, I don't know what the fuck is going on. I'm in this place with people that scare the shit out of me. Um, so, like, borderline traumatized from that. Yeah. So, once I get out, it's like, I don't know, January... January, February, I still have no sports or anything. And it's not like my life changed. I went right back to school and lived my life. And that was when I started, like, 
I wanted to forget that I was there. So I was smoking, drinking, taking pills like all the time uh, for the rest of sophomore year, basically. Until uh, middle of lacrosse season that spring, so after like following going to the hospital, um, I kind of, that lacrosse season was like the best season I had of my high school career because I didn't fuck with, I stopped like doing the, the drugs. I was still smoking, but uh, there was no more pills or anything. So I played well that season. I was, and I was like, all right, I'm going to, this is like another turning point. I'm going to be good again. Because mm-hmm. um, I did, genuinely, I, I was pretty happy at that time. Like I felt good about what I was doing. Like being doing well on the team and not being like, like it wasn't like I was like the best player, so there wasn't this crazy pressure. Like I have to do all this work. It was more like I'm just a part of something, um, which was awesome for me at the time. Um, so that went well, and then once that ended again, it was the summer. I don't, I don't think I was working. If I was, I wasn't going. Um, and that it, the cycle just came, I went right back to this is the summer, what I was summer going into junior summer year. going to junior year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so that was kind of how it went when I transitioned from Shamrod to, to Southside. I thought it was going to be amazing. When in reality, staying at Shamrod, like looking back and now that I've like I worked there for a few years, like I needed, I was a kid that needed the structure. So I think like for any parents that have a kid that's similar to how I was, as much as like you want to listen to your kid or tell them like, oh, it's going to like, maybe you, maybe it would be better for him to be in an environment like that. At least for me, like I need, I was someone who needed someone to be on my ass. Like, do you need to do all this work? Otherwise, you're you're fucking out of here. Because mm-hmm. um, once, if I had the freedom to do what I wanted to do, what I wanted to do at that age was not good. So, right. I, I mean, it's a mistake looking back. Like, I wish I could have. St- I wish I would have stayed. Like, I wish sixteen year old me, fifteen year old me, was smart enough to be like, big picture, this is gonna be so much better for you. But obviously, it didn't work out the way, and everything happens for a reason. And now it's worked out, but yeah, and so that's why it's so it's so hard to look back. We all want to look back and be like, I wish I'd done that. Wish I'd done that. But like when you go yeah. back and actually put yourself in those shoes, like you, like physically couldn't yeah. do shamana because you were the feeling you have the depression, the anxiety. It's like yeah, it actually like like paralyzes you to the point where you can't do the work. It's not that you're not intelligent enough to do it. Clearly yeah. you are, right. um, and clearly you have the work ethic to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but your your brain chemicals and and it paralyzes you and it's yeah. that's why it's you know it's a disease and we have to look at it like a disease like any other disease and talk about it like a disease um, and that's why we have to talk about it in general yeah. so that people can hear this especially kids out there who are struggling with it like um, thank God Stephen told uh, his sister um, told someone uh, even though maybe the psych ward wasn't the best avenue. Mm-hmm. Um, which is another, you know, another topic we talk about because I've heard that from other people that that they mm-hmm. put in these psych wards for, for things and come out, you know, they're with schizophrenia, schizophrenic patients. They're treated like schizophrenic patients, right. and then they start feeling like schizophrenic patients. Start telling themselves they're schizophrenic, yeah. and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden they're schizophrenic. Yeah. Um, but that's you know that's a conversation for another day. But <laughs> um, it's so important to talk about these things. Have someone to open up with a sister, a friend. You know, take have the courage to to go to therapy and, and talk to the therapist. And um, yeah, if you just want, if you want to keep expanding on on the story from there. Yeah. <clears throat> so junior year, uh, fall of junior year, I was doing what I was doing in the summer. Continued. I was just doing a bunch of drugs, drinking a lot, whatever. Like, thought I was hot shit because mm-hmm. I was like, look at me, I got a hot girlfriend. I'm doing drugs. Like, I'm the fucking man, right? Sixteen year old asshole. 
Um, but I had like a few weeks, like a month or so into this into the soccer season of my junior year. I thought it'd be a good idea to take a bunch of Xanax in one of my off periods. Um, it was like I don't really know. Like looking back, it's hard because I don't remember doing it. Um, <clears throat> so I don't know if I was like it was like a kind of an overdose, but not really. Like I just took like way too many. Mm-hmm. So I went in back into school. I remember a friend seeing me before I walked into the building was like, Stephen, like you should really not go in like that. You look awful. Yeah. And I was like, no, I'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so I go in and I have, thank God I had one of like my coolest teachers, the period, like the period after, like he knew what the fuck was going on with me. Like I was pretty close with him. But uh, even he was just like, dude, like this is not good. So I'm, I'm passed out in class because I took, too much Xanax, right? So the, I think the dean or the principal, whatever, whatever she was at the school, was in the back of their class, and just like taps me on the shoulder after that period is over, and is like, "Come with me." And like, I'm, I can't even walk. I'm walking into walls. I'm like delirious of what's going on, right? People are probably like, "What the fuck?" Mm-hmm. Um, so like, they take me to the nurse, or whatever, um, try to like calm me, like get me awake, basically. Um, they eventually do, but that ends up just suspending me from school for five days, right? So I get, um, I've never had detention. I've never gotten in trouble once in my life, and all of a sudden I'm fucking suspended from from school. So I immediately kicked off the soccer team, obviously, um, which is my junior season, which was supposed to be like my big season. Like I'm gonna do. I was like in great shape at the time. It was gonna be like probably the peak of my like, athletic ability. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, they, the school suspends me. The rule is you get kicked off the team if you get suspended. Makes sense, right? Um, so once I had to go to some like daycare um, for five days. It's like is this like the thing that they send all like the yeah yeah miscreants yeah. to? Like, yeah. It's like so it's me and like just dungeon. a bunch of kids that are like have all been suspended. Or like if you get expelled, you go to it's called like I think it's called the greenhouse or something. It's it was literally underneath like a soccer state a uh, soccer station like soccer store. <laughs> So where I go get my cleats, the woman who, like, I'm friends with the person who owns that store, and she's like, what the fuck is going on right now? But, yeah, so I had to go there for five days, and you don't learn shit there. You're just there for a few hours a day. Like, you have to show up, basically. Otherwise, I don't know, they extend your suspension, whatever it would be. So I did my five days, a little slap on the wrist, um, and that didn't change shit. Like, I kind of, my parents were pissed, but, like, I don't know. There was nothing they could really do at that point. Um... So I, and I just I started going back to school. I wasn't on the soccer team, obviously, and that I just continued doing what I was doing um, for months and months and months. And then junior year spring, uh, lacrosse season was happening. I was like, that was my big year. I had already committed to Fairfield for lacrosse by then. Right. Um, so like that winter or that fall, I committed there. I think to Fairfield, and then. <laughs> Halfway through junior year, because I'd been doing the same thing, right? So eventually, I was like, wow, I can smoke and take pills and still play amazing? Like, this is so easy. Mm-hmm. Eventually, it caught up to me, right? So I was just like a fucking mess. And all my coaches knew it. They were like, what? They could like look into my eyes, and I was just dead. Um, so halfway through lacrosse season, um, I, my parents sent me to like a, a 28-day program in Connecticut, place called silver hill it's a fucking incredible facility it's like where like celebrities go so again super privileged where i got to go to like the best of the best 
places to get help. And I still was like, fuck you. I don't like, I don't belong here. Like I don't need this help. Right. Um, so I was there for about five weeks, I think. And as much as I was like against it and like, uh, trying not to buy into what they were selling there with the therapy, it did help me like a lot. Um, what were they trying to say? It was, so I, when I was there, I didn't mention this, but I had been like, um, I've been cutting myself a lot and just like, just self harm behaviors in general, um, on top of attempted suicides. So it was like, it's called DBT. So dialectical behavioral therapy. It's, Mm -hmm. it's aimed mostly at like people with borderline personality disorder or people that are, um, like self harming to stop those behaviors essentially. Um, and primarily like adolescents, it's super good for them. And it, it did help. Like I, uh, it's all about just learning different coping skills and as much as I hated it, I did use them. Um, eventually after a couple of weeks being there, you're kind of like, I have nothing better to do here. I'm stuck here. I might as well like kind of let, let some of the information soak in. So for about five weeks, I was like, it was a super intense, like pretty much job, like nine to five learning different skills and coping mechanisms to deal with my, my thoughts and feelings and trying to cut out those like super negative behaviors like cutting um but that ultimately i like i got out of there and i was good for i don't know a couple months or so until like i fell back into the same cycle but i think that was when i didn't mention this before i went sorry but um that was when people started to see like what the fuck is going on with this kid because I was hiding, like I was hiding the doing, taking pills, but like at this point I was more so just smoking weed, right? So I, he's just a pothead, fine. Um, but like once I was cutting myself, it was like my coaches were like, what the fuck? Like, you know, it's weird to see, not weird, but it's, it's hard to see a 16 year old kid, 17 year old kid that you think of as like, whatever, a popular athletic kid and he's got slashes all up his wrists and you're like, okay, something is super fucked up here. Um, and my friends like, were great, honestly. I remember a couple of times I was talking to like, my girlfriend at the time saying scary shit. Like you don't want, you don't want to hear as any, any person wants to hear that stuff. Um, so they came, like picked me up and like got me food and shit. Like I hadn't eaten for days. Like I was just cutting myself. It was just, a, it was just bad. Um, so I had people that, this is when I first saw people really like gave a fuck about me mm-hmm. more so than just like, oh, he's on my team or like, you know what I mean? Like I always knew I had friends, but it, it takes like, sometimes it takes thing situations like that to really see like who your real friends are. And I think for me, that was like the time when I was like, all right, these are people that actually like, they really do care, um, which actually helped a lot in the long run for right. me. Um, but yeah, I think that was, that was the hardest point for me because that one, it was no longer like my big secret where it was like, all right, now everyone knows that this kid that seems like he has everything is really not good. And then you hear all these rumors, like all this bullshit, like, oh, he, there's nothing wrong with him. Like, he just wants attention. I'm like, I get plenty of attention. I want the opposite. I want to blend in like the girl over there that no one notices, you know? Like, I just want to be invisible. Um, but it was also, again, much easier looking back. Like, that was my, like, I need help. Like, look at what I'm doing to myself. Like, someone please fucking help me. Um, and I had teachers, my parents, like family, everyone was there to help, uh, thank God. And that's, that's ultimately like what led me to go away. It was, uh, 
like all the cutting and shit. I didn't mention it before, so I wanted to get that out there. That uh, that's what made everyone see because I still wasn't talking about it. Right. Um, As was, was that kind of the, the you think the reason why you were were doing it, or was it more that you you wanted to feel the pain or a little bit of both? I think part in the beginning it was like. Um, the way my depression was manifesting, I felt just, I felt nothing. Like, it got to the point where I wasn't even so sad anymore. I literally didn't feel anything. Like, joy, excitement, like, not, I felt zero emotions. So, I started cutting to see if, like, I don't know, if I feel pain, like, I'm still, I'll feel something, right? Um, so, that's how it was initially. And then I kind of started to, like, I almost got, like, addicted to it. Like, I almost just, like, enjoyed it. Like, mm-hmm. it felt good, which is fucking sad to say, but, uh. At that time, it felt good, good to do. Like, it was like a relief. It was like, I don't know. It was almost like the equivalent of getting high at the time. Like, it felt, that's how it felt for me. And then, I think eventually, though, it was to get, like, someone to be like, okay, like, he needs help. Because I couldn't, I was too, I had too much pride or whatever it was to go actually ask for that help that I needed. So this was, like, a way for me to get that help. And someone to be like, all right, we need to, he needs to go see someone or go away, whatever it is. Um, yeah, obviously looking back, I can say that, but at the time, it's hard, I think it was more so like, I just hated myself and I was like, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. Yeah. At the time, it, it probably may not have been a reason in your head. It may have just yeah. been like, like. I was just impulsive. So right. I was like, I want to do this. I did it. Mm-hmm. Same with drugs. Like, I didn't really like them. I just like, I'm going to do it. All right. And then it becomes a habit. And yeah. it becomes a habit and it just becomes part of, part of your personality, who you exactly. are. And, um, I think um, at this point, I was at Chaminade, you were at Southside, with everything going on, we were hanging out with different friend groups, so definitely yeah. weren't as close to this, this time period, but certainly I was, um, you know, would, would hang out with, with your friend group every once in a while and see yeah. you, and, and definitely from the outside looking in, it's like, from that perspective, how do you help? You know, I, yeah. I'm like, um, what can I do? Am I even a good enough friend, or is it, is it like, now that all this is coming out, having you know, like, been, haven't been clo- as close with him like is it gonna seem like I'm just trying to get like attention for him yeah. from him to do it to ask for help and I think that the answer for that is that if your friend's going through something and you know and you're hearing rumors and and you know first of all you know c- cut the rumors off when you hear them say that's bullshit yeah and second of all say hey man I haven't talked to you in a while how you doing I, got, I wish I could go back again I regret that I, I didn't do that right. um but I'm so I, I'm so grateful that you know a lot of those guys are great guys that those Southside guys and yeah. uh, people like Tommy Ahern yeah. uh, were there for you and and um, because so powerful human connection and having people there for you is um, for, you know my experience has gotten me through every tough situation I've ever been in mm-hmm. and just it's um, um, so important. Absolutely, can't do can't do half this life stuff alone. No, I really can't, not. especially when you're struggling. You can't do it alone. Let's, uh, I'm just gonna take a cut of everything and then do like a part two because this is like really fucking powerful.